I'm going to ask you a sensitive question. You're the radio woman? The existence of fairies has never been in question. The answer is no. They're real. You didn't let me ask the question. Very real. So, what am I looking for? There's something going on up there at night. Woods. Anybody who started to ask questions later on was either permanently silenced or encouraged to be silent by the evidence that others were being systematically permanently silenced. What would fairies really look like? Really look like? What I'd like to know is, why did you bring her to me? Me? Would they look more like us? Spiteful, malignant, deadly, deadly. Wikipedia defines a fairy tale as a type of short story that typically features folkloric fantasy characters and usually magic or enchantments. Fairy tales may be distinguished from other folk narratives such as legends and explicitly moral tales which include things like beast and shape-shifting fables. The term fairy tale is also commonly used to describe something blessed with unusual happiness, as in fairy tale ending. A fairy tale, or fairy story, is not only untrue, but could not possibly be true. Fairy tales take place once upon a time, not here with us, and definitely not right now. But what if there was something else? A very different kind of fairy tale. A darker, more sinister story. A story about a world behind, beside, or beneath our world. A world of shadows. A world teeming with a different kind of life. An ancient world filled with... others. And what if there had been an organization as old as the modern world itself, perhaps even older, dedicated to protecting these... others? an operation that would eventually mature into a covert arm of what we now call the Environmental Protection Agency. A group that operated so far underground that, outside of a few whispers at the bar after work, when guards were way down and bottoms were way up, no employee of any contemporary governmental agency had ever met one of this organization's operatives. And what if this ancient and highly secretive organization had been called many things throughout history, but was, allegedly now, only referred to as the department? This story begins on the day I met one of its former operatives. The day I accidentally saved his life. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. From the Public Radio Alliance in Minnow Beats, Whale, you're listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Stay with us.
So, what do ancient fairy tales have to do with a potentially mythological underground faction of the EPA? Well, that's one of the reasons we're here. I was approached by two producers from the Public Radio Alliance after they read my story, a story I'd recently published on a deep web forum blog. The Public Radio Alliance produced documentary podcasts with a very unique focus. They don't shy away from certain subjects. Subjects like a mysterious and potentially deadly alternate reality game, a mythic and possibly alien section of the forest in the Pacific Northwest, or an ancient secret arm of the Environmental Protection Agency that may have been operating behind the scenes for centuries with a focus on hiding and protecting fairies. The last bit was the subject of the story that I'd written that eventually led to this podcast. Now, before we meet that subject, the man whose life I saved that day, I have a few things to say about the word fairy and how that word and world are related to this podcast. Chances are you have your own history with the world of fairy tales. Maybe it was a story your parents read to you from a colorful picture book after they tucked you in at bedtime, or the warm technicolor comfort of Walt Disney movies like Cinderella or The Little Mermaid. Chances are you're not familiar with the originals, the darker versions of these stories. Take Cinderella, for example. In the Disney version, she's a kind and beautiful young woman helped by cute, culturally ambiguous mice and sweet dress-designing birds. But in the original tale, by the Brothers Grimm, things are a bit different. My grandmother read all kinds of these more realistic stories to me when I was a kid. They were terrifying. I've asked my friend and fellow Public Radio Alliance producer, Nick Silver, to read a couple of brief excerpts from the original version of Cinderella. From Cinderella by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. No one shall be my wife except for the one whose foot fits this golden shoe. The two sisters were happy to hear this, for they had pretty feet. With her mother standing by, the older one took the shoe into her bedroom to try it on. She couldn't get her big toe into it, for the shoe was too small for her. Then her mother gave her a knife and said, Cut off your toe. When you are queen, you will no longer have to go on foot. The girl cut off her toe forced her foot into the shoe, swallowed the pain, and went out to the prince. He took her on his horse as his bride and rode away with her. However, they had to ride past the grave, and there on the hazel tree sat the two pigeons crying out, Rook de goo, rook de goo, there's blood in the shoe. The shoe is too tight, this bride is not right. Then he looked at her foot and saw how the blood was running from it. He turned his horse around and took the false bride home again, saying that she was not the right one and that the other sister should try on the shoe. 
She went into her bedroom and got her toes into the shoe all right, but her heel was too large. Then her mother gave her a knife and said, Cut a piece off your heel. When you are queen, you will no longer have to go on foot. The girl cut a piece off her heel, forced her foot into the shoe, swallowed the pain, and went out to the prince. Things didn't work out well for the second stepsister either. After Cinderella finally gets her feet into those slippers, the story continues. When the wedding with the prince was to be held, the two false sisters came, wanting to gain favor with Cinderella and to share her good fortune. When the bridal couple walked into the church, the older sister walked on their right side and the younger on their left side, and the pigeons pecked out one eye from each of them. Afterwards, as they came out of the church, the older one was on the left side and the younger one on the right side, and then the pigeons pecked out the other eye from each of them. And thus, for their wickedness and falsehood, they were punished with blindness as long as they lived. It's the same with The Little Mermaid. In the end, she chooses to become sea foam rather than make the choice to give up her legs or tail. And there are other stories, tales of cannibalism, like Hansel and Gretel, characters being burned alive, sewn into a canvas sack with rocks and tossed into the sea. And other tales, even darker still. Ancient eldritch tales of what lies on the other side of the veil between our world and the other place. You won't find these stories in Grimm's fairy tales, In order to find these stories, we're going to have to dig a bit deeper, go a bit further, embrace the darkness. It is within this world, the world of these rare and ancient tales of fairy, that we begin this podcast. Throughout this series, we'll likely return to some of those ancient tales of fairy. But right now, as promised, we're going to meet the person who started me down this road. We're going to meet Elliot Waters. Are you comfortable? I'm good, thank you. Elliot Waters is tall and thin. He's never hunched and always appears relaxed, although I suspect that's not often the case. At least, not these days. Thank you so much for doing this. How could I say no? But you do know that you could have said no, right? Of course. Are you sure? Absolutely. Yes. I'm happy to be here. Great. So could you please briefly describe how the two of us met for our listeners? Well, okay. So about six months ago, I was on my way to work when I was almost killed by a bus in the middle of an intersection. I stepped into traffic and you pulled me out of harm's way. You still suffered a separated shoulder. Better than the alternative. Right. Of course. So, let's get back to that intersection. Okay. When you were crossing the street... Yes? You were crossing against the light. No, the light had changed. It was green. And, as you know, that's where our two stories diverge. 
Yes. My memory of the event is that you stepped out into the intersection against the traffic while the light was red. I understand that's your recollection, yes. But you remember it differently. I do. And now, I know we've had this discussion off the air, but for our listeners' sake, I'm gonna ask you a sensitive question. The answer is no. You didn't let me ask the question. No, I was not then, nor am I now suicidal. Okay. So what happened? Mr. Waters? It was a changeling. What do you mean, a changeling? I mean, a changeling interfered with my interpretation of reality. Could you expand on what you mean by interfered with your interpretation of reality? It made me believe that the light had changed, that the light was green and that it was safe for me to cross the street. And this is where things begin to change. Could you please explain for our listeners what it is that you mean when you say changeling? It's fairly easy to explain, but I'm afraid it's going to be a lot more difficult to believe. I understand. Please take your time and start from wherever you feel makes the most sense. I'm going to have to start by telling you about the Fade. There's at least one other world, or dimension that exists adjacent to our own. That world, often referred to as the Fade, is separated from ours by what we refer to as the Veil. By a Veil? By the Veil, yes. It's difficult to explain the Veil or the Fade in terms you would understand. It's also difficult to easily explain what I mean by adjacent, but for the sake of this conversation, I believe those terms bring us as close as possible to a preliminary understanding of how things work. Okay, so you believe that there's another world, or a dimension called the Fade, adjacent to ours, separated by Veil? Yes. It separates our world from another? That's correct. The world of fairy? Yes. Would you consider yourself a superstitious man? Well, that's a kind of a complicated question. In brief? I understand you're trying to draw some kind of line between my believing in the Fae and superstition, astrology, and religion. Yes, that's exactly the line I was attempting to draw or suggest. I hope that's not insulting. That certainly wasn't my intention. Not at all, it's fine, but it's not that simple. No? Everything I believe is based strictly on lived experience. I don't believe in any kind of god, as that term is used by organized religions, astrology as it's depicted or has been depicted in the past in newspapers and on street corners. That stuff, along with psychics and mediums, is, as far as I know, complete nonsense. 
as far as you know. Yes, those things are possible, I suppose, but in my experience, highly unlikely. Almost certainly any supernatural or paranormal element attached to those types of things is non-existent. We're definitely in agreement there. I do throw salt over my shoulder and avoid walking beneath ladders, you know. Just in case. <laughs> but... I have seen things. Other things. Other things? Like... Fairies? Or what was the other term you used? The Fae? Yes. There's an ancient truth in mythology. Mythology has always been a method of communicating information orally. There's a great deal of truth wrapped up in everything else. Could you describe these fairies or changelings? Yes, of course. But there are nuances. Things can get a bit confusing. Okay. I feel the best way to move forward might be to start with the department. Before we get to Mr. Waters' description of the department, I'm going to play you a recording. While doing research for this podcast, I did manage to find some information about an organization that sounds very similar to the Operation Waters describes. The department has, allegedly, existed for centuries, but unlike most other reputedly powerful ancient secret societies like the Knights Templar and the Illuminati, the department has been remarkably good at keeping their secret society secret. The following is a clip from a recording made by a student journalist interviewing a man named Custer Milford at a Stanford University-sponsored Historical Society event in 1973. In many parts of Europe, the existence of fairies has never been in question. They're real, very real. In Irish Celtic mythology, the Tuatha refer to fairies as goddesses and gods who came from mystical distant islands, or in some cases, they came from the sky itself. Fairies are supernatural beings best described by the Greek word daemon, which means spirit. This is extremely interesting as the word demon pertains to Christian belief. The similarities between fairies and demons is something we'll be exploring in my next lecture. As soon as one begins to look into fairies and fae mythology, it becomes apparent that fairies have been around a lot longer than one might expect. From nymphs and satyrs in Greek mythology to the Norse with their elves and valkyries, fairies have a long storied history. Contrary to Irish Celtic mythology, most scholars agree that the fae folk are not divine, they're not gods, but rather they're something else, something other than human. In Arthurian legends, we have Morgan Le Fay and the Lady of the Lake. In Elizabethan England, William Shakespeare popularized fairies in his play Midsummer Night's Dream. The fairies of contemporary literature come in all manner of dispositions, shapes, and sizes. Some kind and helpful, others spiteful, malignant, deadly. 
different types of fairies may also have different fantastic abilities. But what would fairies really look like? Would they really be winged, cloven-hoofed tricksters, or would they look more like us? In the ancient Celtic kingdoms of Brittany and Cornwall, things were different. It's here the legends of what we understand as fairies today really began. And it is here where we must begin our search for the truth. It is also here when the first evidence of the no quivnot as it's pronounced in the north, or the no Havnor, as it's pronounced in the south, or what we call the guardians, appears. These medieval fairies are different than the fairies found in contemporary folklore today. The fairies of the past were ancient, powerful gods, but most of them were, let's say, positively charged, naive when it came to dealing with their biggest problem, us. You see, centuries ago, there was a tear in the fabric between their world and ours, something they referred to as the veil. The fey folk who entered our world became victims of men. Back then, most of them couldn't understand lies or guile. That's when the guardians were formed to watch over the fey and man. So, that's the thumbnail version. We're going to unpack everything in far more detail as we move forward. In the meantime, I asked Mr. Waters about something Dr. Milford mentioned at the end of that clip. Okay, so what do you think? I've actually heard most of this before. And? And it's not inaccurate. Okay. To be clear, you're saying that you believe there's another dimension next to ours where fairies exist, and that at one time they came back and forth between our world and theirs. Yes. And you belong to a secret order dedicated to protecting them. Belonged. What do you mean? I mean, they shut down the department. Who shut it down? Our current administration. Why? Budget cuts, they said. Along with the fact that there hasn't been an official registered sighting in almost a decade. A sighting? Of the Fae. So, they're gone? That's what we believed. But you don't believe that anymore? No, I don't. And that brings us to why you're here? Yes. Why did you agree to speak to me, on the record, about an organization you've sworn to keep secret? Because... We need to reopen the department. Why? Because they're back. Fairies? Yes. I'm sorry, but even if I could believe you, which I'm afraid I can't, that sounds more exciting than scary. Oh, it'll be exciting. What do you mean? I mean, Dr. Milford was right about the Nequivnoji, or the Watchers. But the department didn't only protect the Fae from humankind. No? No. We also protected the weaker of the Fae from others of their kind as well. And there's something else. Something Milford left out. What's that? We also protected ourselves. Humans? 
Yes. From what? From the ones who feed. You've been listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. Fairy is produced by Terry Miles, produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Silver and me, Ryan Bailey. Associate producers, Carlene Bennett and David James. Executive producers, Terry Miles and Hollis Adams Lane. If you enjoy Fairy, you'll love our other shows, Tannis and Rabbits, at tannispodcast.com and rabbitspodcast.com. For legal and safety reasons, we've elected to change some names and leave others out entirely. We don't do this very often, but we're unwilling to compromise people's safety for any reason. Thanks again for listening to Fairy. Fairy.